Welcome to Spooky Island Radio and this week's Campfire Stories episode. In these episodes, prepare to be scared and spooked from around my campfire here on Spooky Island. No filler, just fire in these episodes. So it's time to get wrapped up in your blanket and toast some marshmallows and relax with Spooky Island Radio Campfire Tales. to Campfire Tales 6. This week's Campfire Tales are coming out around Christmas, so I thought I would tell some spooky stories, um, spooky, scary Christmas stories to tell around my campfire this week. My first story today tells the tale of a young girl's encounter with someone claiming to be Father Christmas. It was Christmas Eve, and an 11-year-old French girl named Juliette was decorating the Christmas tree. Her mother was working as a nurse at local hospital, and the two of them lived alone in the small apartment in the suburbs of Paris. Late that evening, Juliette's mother called to say she would not be home until late that night. Juliette continued to decorate the tree with all the lovely things her mother had bought from the shop. She draped some multicoloured Christmas lights around the tree and hung beautiful ornaments and branches. After placing the angel on the top of the Christmas tree, she she had finally finished decorating and sat down to relax and watch TV. Even though she was all alone in the sixth floor apartment, Juliet felt safe as she gazed out across the lights of the Parisian skyline. From her window, she could see the Eiffel Tower and the Champs de Mars. I don't know what that is, but... Hey-ho. Hey-ho-ho-ho, I should say. (laughs) Most of the other tenants in the building had gone home to spend Christmas Eve with their relatives in the countryside, and their apartment building was almost deserted. Juliet was growing growing bored, waiting for her mother to return, and suddenly she thought she heard a scratching noise at the front door. She turned down the television and listened carefully. There was an eerie silence. Curious, she slowly approached the door and looked through the peephole. And to her surprise, she saw a man standing outside, dressed in a red suit with fluffy white trims. He was large and fat, with a dirty grey beard and wore a red hat on his head, and he knocked at the door loudly. Nervous and concerned, she asked through the door, Who's there? It's Santa Claus, the man replied. Let me in. I'm cold and I'm tired and I'm hungry. At this point, a chill went down Juliet's spine. She was no dummy. She knew that whoever this creepy man was, he wasn't Santa Claus. My mother isn't home right now, she said, her voice shaking. Please, just leave. Peering through the peephole, Juliet watched as the man's eyes filled with anger and his face twisted into a grimace of hate. He began knocking at the door even harder and rattling the doorknob. It's Santa Claus, Juliet, he growled. Have you laid out some milk and cookies for me, Juliet? You know how much Santa loves his milk and cookies. The young girl had a sinking feeling in the pit of her stomach. How did he know her name? Then the man began kicking and pounding at the door. 
She peeked out again and saw him reach into his coat pocket and pull out a switchblade. He shoved the knife into the keyhole and tried to pry it open. Juliet was terrified and she didn't know what to do. If you don't go away, I'll call the police, she shouted. All of a sudden the knocking stopped. Juliet stood perfectly still, afraid to move. Minutes passed and she started to think that the man might have been scared away by her threat. She slowly approached the door and looked through the peephole to see if the man had really gone. The hallway seemed empty. Suddenly, she saw the man running down the hallway with an axe in his hand. Juliet screamed and ran into the closet in a panic. She crouched down and hid behind the coats as tears of fright rolled down her cheeks. She heard the boom, boom, boom. As she tried to, as he tried to, as the man tried to smash the door down. There was a mighty crack at the, as the door gave way and the man came crashing through the splintered wood. Laughing to himself, he called out, Juliet, where are you, Juliet? Don't be afraid. We'll have some, we'll have ourselves some fun tonight. Where are you hiding? The crazed intruder walked through the house, searching for the frightened girl. Juliet curled up in the closet, trembling with fear. She dreaded to think what he planned to do to her. Suddenly, the handle of the closet moved up and down. Then the door began shaking and she heard the man's voice laughing. Juliet, I know you're in here, he said. Open up for Santa. Open up before I open you up. The man swung his axe as it struck and as it struck the closet door with a huge bang, tearing into the flimsy wood. Juliet screamed and began crying bitterly. She grabbed a wire coat hanger and twisted it into a point. She waited, her eyes opened wide and her hands were trembling. There was another loud crash and as the closet door gave way in a hail of splinters, the horrible man that tore the doors off their hinges and thrust his head in between the coats. He was laughing and drooling like a madman in this huge, gnarled hand grabbed at the horrified girl. Juliet held up the pointed end of the coat hanger and bravely thrust it into the man's face. It went straight into his eye and he recoiled in pain, screaming with rage as blood flowed down his cheek. He ripped the wire out of the eye socket and grabbed Juliet by the hair. He then dragged her, kicking and screaming, out of the closet. The man pushed her to the ground and held her tightly by the neck, leaning over her. Blood spilled out of his eyes, splattering all over her face. His mouth twisted into a grotesque smile and he whispered in her ear, Tonight you'll be privileged, my lovely Juliet. I've got a list and I've checked it twice. I'm here to decide if you've been naughty or nice. You can scream and scream and beg for your life, but naughty girls get the axe and the nice girls get the knife. It was after midnight when Juliet's mother returned home. She saw the front door hacked to pieces and rushed inside to look for her daughter. Gazing around at the carnage, her eyes struggled to take it all in. Then she began screaming in absolute horror. The Christmas tree was decorated with Juliet, Juliet's entrails, and her severed head was perched on the top. My second story today isn't a Christmas horror story, but it is a great story to tell around the campfire. 
It all begins with a group of boy scouts who were nearing the summit of a mountain. Just at the edge of a clearing, they found a scheduled area where they could make a camp. There was an old lodge cabin that stood out in the snow. They found an old stove inside the cabin and hoped they could use it for cooking. That way, they wouldn't have to resort to cooking their sausages and beans on an open campfire. So they all pitched their tents beside the cabin and cooked a big meal. That night, as they ate around the fire outside the cabin, their scoutmaster told them a story about the history of the area. Many years ago, he said, the land was sacred, a sacred hunting ground for an Indian tribe. The game in this field was always plentiful until the white man, a fur trapper, came and built the cabin at the summit of the mountain. The chief of the tribe was an Indian brave named Big Bear, and he was enraged at this encroachment. Big Bear decided they would have to find a way to get rid of the intruders. The Indian chief had, been, had seen the trapper in the cabin and knew that he was an old man and didn't have any weapons. So instead of harming him, he decided to scare him away instead. The Indian warrior crept up on the house and tap, tap, tapped on the wall. This attracted the attention of the trapper, who came outside to investigate. But finding nothing there, he went back to work in his cabin, skinning rabbits with his pocket knife. Again, the Indian tap, tap, tapped on the wall and frightened the trapper. When the trapper came out to investigate the noise, the Indian was hiding in a bush nearby. This cat and mouse game went on for the majority of the night. The trapper became very afraid of mysterious noise, and he decided if he couldn't figure out what was making the noise, he would leave in the morning and never return. He kept a big axe mounted on the chimney over the stove in his cabin. It was used for chopping firewood, but he thought he may need it for protection as well. So he took it down from the chimney and waited for the tapping sound. The next time, Big Bear tap, tap, tapped on the wall. The trapper was creeping out of the cabin. As the Indian darted away to hide, he ran right into the trapper. The old man was too surprised to think and swung the axe at the shadowy thing coming towards him. He decapitated the Indian with a single chop. Big Bear's headless body stumbled forward before it crumbled to the ground right at the trapper's feet. The Indian's severed head flew through the air with the force of the blow and became lodged in the chimney of the cabin. When the trapper went back to his cabin and began cleaning his axe, he heard a gentle tap, tap, tap. This time, it seemed to be coming from inside his cabin. It went on for hours until he peered up the chimney and saw the Indian's bloody head staring back at him. The blood was dripping down the chimney and making a tap, tap, tap noise on the stone floor. When the other Indians saw how easily the white man had conquered their chief, they banned all the people in the tribe from setting foot in the sacred hunting ground. To ensure this, the medicine man called on the spirit of the headless Indian chief to guard this land. It is said that on darky, dark, rainy nights, Big Bear, the Indian warrior, can still be heard prowling around the cabin, tapping on the wall and looking for his head. And that, said the scoutmaster, is why we call it Big Bear Cabin.
Once the scoutmaster had finished his story, all the boy scouts were afraid to go to sleep. The boys all lay in the, awake in their tent, thinking about the story of the trapper and the headless Indian. The scoutmaster tried to tell them it was just a legend and there was nothing to be afraid of, but the boys couldn't get the story of Big Bear out of their heads. Just after midnight, as some of the scouts were managing to fall asleep, one of them thought he heard a faint tap 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 sound. He told the scoutmaster who didn't believe him. When more and more of the boys said they heard the sound, the scoutmaster was forced to get dressed and investigate. Reluctantly, he unzipped the door of the tent, got out and walked around the cabin, listening for the noise. The scouts all stayed in the tent, waiting for him to come back. The tap, tap, tap sound was getting louder and louder. The scoutmaster went into the cabin and realised the sound was coming from the area above the stove. Slowly, he kneeled down and peered up the chimney. The scouts heard a yell, a large thud, then nothing. They waited for seconds that seemed like hours, and then there was a rustling at the door of the tent. Something was unzipping the tent door. Frightened, the boys grabbed anything they could to use as a weapon. They were relieved when the zipper of the tent was pulled down and they saw their scoutmaster's uniform, but the relief only lasted a second. The scoutmaster dropped to his knees, and the boys realised that he was missing his head. My final story today is another Christmas-themed horror story. It's simply called The Carol Singers. My grandfather was a drunk, and my father was a drunk, but I never touched a drop, and there's a reason for that. When I was young, times were hard, and I grew up poor. My grandfather and my father never did an honest day's work in their lives. Grandad wasn't good for much, but he played the clarinet like an artist. He taught my father how to play the accordion. Every Christmas, they would gather a group of their friends to go from door to door playing Christmas music, singing Christmas carols and begging for money. Afterwards, they would all go down the pub and spend it on alcohol. One Christmas Eve, they brought me with them. I was too young to play instruments, so they handed me a triangle and told me to strike it every now and then. The night was dark, the snow was falling, and a cold December wind cut through us like a knife. We kept our heads down and trudged through the snow and the sleet, and eventually my grandfather stopped and said, Looks like this looks like a good a place as any. We were outside a big mansion, decorated with Christmas lights. My grandfather knocked on the door, and we began to play some old Christmas carols. The door of the house swung open, and in the dim light, I saw a young woman standing there. She was holding a tray of glasses in her hand with a smile. She picked up a glass and held it out, inviting one of the men to drink. My grandfather rubbed his hands together with glee into the glass. Just then, I looked up, and in the window above, I saw a face peering out of the shadows. A face that was hideous beyond words. I looked back at the woman in the doorway, and her face was hideous too. Before I could stop him, my grandfather put the glass to his lips, and knocked it back with one big gulp. Oh dear, said the woman, in an eerie childish voice. You've drunk blood, sir. With that, the door slammed shut, 
My grandfather stumbled backwards and the glass fell from his hands. It shattered with a deafening crash and he collapsed in the snow. I don't remember much after that. All I recall is waking up in the light of dawn and finding myself lying in the snow. The other men were also lying all around me, just waking up themselves, and my father got to his feet and rubbed his head. The woman had disappeared and the house was boarded up and abandoned. All that was left was a dark red stain in the snow where the glass had broken. My grandfather lay in the snow beside it, his face all purple and swollen. He was as dead as a doornail. We hurried home that morning and called the police. They picked up my grandfather's body and brought it to the mortuary. My father told them what happened, but they didn't believe a word of his tale. They said that house had been vacant for over a hundred years. And after that night, my father was never the same again. He never let another drop of alcohol touch his lips, and I made sure I did the same. With the campfire now beginning to fade, I think I will leave it there for today. I hope you enjoyed this week's scary camp stories, and remember to listen out for a full episode of Spooky Island Radio next week. Until then, over and out.